Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. These are, um, these are great days. You need to know that. They might be dark days. Okay. Greatest days are usually born out of difficult days. Greatest people are usually made in difficult times. There's not a lot of heroes that you find in great gravy days. Heroes are established in difficult days. It's a great day to be heroic. Definitely not a great day to be passive or average or to be a spectator. It's an extraordinary day to engage God and get in the game. Um, believe he's looking all the time for people he, to show himself strong on behalf of. Uh, what's new? What a day. What an hour. You think God's like giving up, washed his hands, thinks it's too much, too hard, too difficult, too dark? You think God's just like, I, I've never dealt with darkness before. In the beginning, he hovered over darkness, spoke into the darkness. It's his nature to establish light in the middle of chaos and darkness. It's who he is. He just needs a people with his word in their mouth so that when we speak, we represent the same power, the same truth. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We are fresh off a Pathfinders conference. We are a Pathfinders church and specifically a Pathfinders campus. If you don't know what Pathfinders is, is we believe God calls us into the marketplace. We believe that every sphere of culture is critical. We don't believe that there's just, you know, you can only do missionary work for God or be a pastor, that, that God calls us into all kinds of things. And I'm going to give a quick, 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 quick overview of our story. I had come out of a um, very similar environment. Um, Greg, give it up for Greg Francis. Dude, I was just going to send you back up here, bro. I, it was so good. I was like, hey, man, do you mind just, like, finishing your thoughts, you know? But it, honestly, man, I, it's so easy to, to hear and appreciate it. But I came out of that same thinking, like, the more poor you were, the more God was pleased. And the more miserable you were, the more God was glorified. I mean, I don't know if you ever came out of, like, religious thinking. It's the worst of the worst. And so not, it's so not the nature of God. And if you want to know the nature of God, have some kids, and then start wishing poverty on them. Flip. First of all, if they're impoverished, they're, you're stuck with them. They're never getting out, you know. <laughs> but a good parent is always longing for good things for their kids. It's, I, don't, I never dream up bad things for my kids. I, I dream up solutions to get them out of adversity. I, I dream of great things for them. And God, the, our father, God's a better father than I am. Uh, but I have pretty good intentions for our kids. I really do. Never longed for them to suffer, never longed for, I don't need, they're going to learn plenty of lessons along the way. I don't need to create lessons for them. Life's got enough pain for them. And so I've discovered that, um, you know, God's good and he's got good plans. And, but uh, being in a, growing up in a culture where the only thing you could do for God was be a missionary or be a pastor or be a worship leader, which apparently I wasn't very good at, thanks, babe, but uh I longed to be a pastor. I did. Like 20 years ago, I just finished my master's degree in theology. And I'm, I was like, I was like in love with truth and the Bible. I still am. But one day God spoke to me and he said, hey, the high call of God is not 
ministry is what I call you to. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, but you, you know, ministry is the high calling, you know, the, the double blessing, the double honor. I want that. He's like, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you trust me and follow me? If you'll follow me into business, I will build a platform and a pulpit for you that will speak and minister to more people than you can imagine. I'm like, yeah, well, what does that look like? I want you to start a flooring company. I'm like, come on. How <laughs> like, cannot be God in the construction industry. That's not possible. But we followed him into it, and 18 years later, um, by the grace of God, we built a pretty epic company. Um, and, um, and then, interesting enough, though, almost two decades later, God calls us back in to ministry. Calls us back into what the original our original heart was. And, um, but I'm so grateful for the journey because I feel like this message, this gospel that we carry, it, it's so much more than a study in a library, you know, where I've, I've been in the book of Deuteronomy for like 13 months straight and I'm going to somehow exegete the book of Deuteronomy and that's going to apply to your real world. Like, I'm so grateful I've had to trust God in business, trust God for solutions, trust God for cash flow, trust God to raise kids, trust God to stay married. Like, I, I feel like the, like the kingdom is designed to work where life is and then somehow religion has like tried to separate the two. You know, I got my, my sacred life, and then I've got my secular life, and they're separated. You with me? So we're going to talk today about healthy tensions, and we're going to communicate around tensions that you need to cultivate if you're going to be effective. I'm going to say this right now. The last thing you want to be in this world is ineffective. Is there any area you're just believing to be less effective in? I mean, would that be a better thing? Like, I'm going to be a less effective parent this week. I'm going to be a less effective uh, employee this week. I'm going to be less effective financially this week. I'm going to be less effective. You with me? Like, who's believing for that? Like, it's insanity. Who designed you to be effective? God. So why don't we show up to church and actually believe that his power and his will is to help us be effective? So what we're going to talk about today is how to cultivate tensions of effectiveness, fruitfulness, productivity. Okay, so the first tension, I'm going to start with the Word of God. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Word today. We're going to start in Mark 16, 15 through 18. This is right after Jesus rose from the dead, okay? If you didn't know that, Jesus didn't just die on a cross, okay, on your Catholic cross that you wear around your neck. He didn't, he rose from the dead. He's like alive. He, he overcame the, the grave and he took the keys back from the devil and then he walked around on the earth for 40 days and he instructed his disciples on how to live. I want you to know we are his disciples these days. We are still operating in the same commission, the state, same great commandment. It's on us today. Like, we're supposed to be carriers. How amazing that he rose from the dead, that he's got billions of us on the planet. Unfortunately, most of us are not really operating in high effectiveness because we haven't fully adopted or adapted to the word of God for our lives, and that's why we're going to read the word. So here's, here he says in Mark 16, 15 through 18, and he said to them, Go into the church and hide yourself from the dark and evil world because it's dark out there and it's scary out there and people are mean and nasty and woke 
And you need to create a little culture that is contrary to the world where you're safe and secure. What? No, he says, go into the world. No matter the condition. He didn't say, once the world calms down and is, is warm and, and, and open to you and, and excited that you're coming. No, 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 no. He says, it doesn't matter what the world looks like. You're to go into it, okay? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. We live in a culture where there is all kinds of evil and occult and fear and rejection. You, you can't medicate a demon. Jesus, one-third of his ministry was driving demons out. I think we live in one of the most occult hours of American history. We have opened ourselves up to all manner of evil, and we're traumatized in our heart. And your heart is where you open up to allow medicine or medication. Most of us are highly medicated on something. I mean, I'm telling you, you, you know, it, it might not be drugs or porn. It might be work. It might be fitness. But, but what it is is, is we're, we're trying to cover ourselves from something that hurts or some validity that we don't feel or something we didn't get. And, so, and then we open the door up to unclean influences, and then Jesus dealt with those. He's like, okay, we're not just going to medicate that. We're going to get to the root of the issue. We're going to heal it, and then we're going to eradicate everything that you've been hiring or imploring to make you feel better, to cope. I don't want to be coping in this world. I'm tired of coping. I want to be victorious in this world. I want to be effectual in this world. And you can't, you, can't, you can't do both. So Jesus dealt with that. He drove out demons. It was normal. We drive out demons here. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. The reason most of, most of us are screwed up is because we've opened the door up to unclean influences. You're actually pretty remarkable. And I love a, what I love about doing work in, in deliverance is I see how much God loves people. And I, lo I start loving people. I'm like, man, oh, man, you have been duped by fear and anxiety and insecurity. You're actually a pretty remarkable person, but you've been operating out of defense mechanisms. You're really not all that controlling. You just had stuff happen to you that traumatized you and caused you to need to take control. Actually, if we could heal the dilemma, the real root of the trauma, you all of a sudden get free to be the real you. You're actually not that controlling. You're not that distrusting. And so when we deal with the roots and we get this stuff out, you, allow, you start living. Golly, I don't want to live medicated. I want to live free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. This must be for somebody because I wasn't sharing this in the nine. Uh, in my name, they'll drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Speaking new tongues means you're just filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Why not? <laughs> you're, you're telling me you have power, divine power that could help you be more effective, but you don't want that? Why the, why the heck would you not want that? It's the power of God. It's so you can pray perfect prayers. Listen, nobody wants to be less weird than me. I hate weird. I am anti-weird, but I am fully into being effective. And if you're giving me a tool that's going to make me more powerful, make me pray more accurately, make me more connected, make me more spirit-led and less carnal-led, oh, my gosh, this carnal nature has gotten me into a lot of problems. 
But when I'm led by the Spirit, it's interesting how many problems I alleviate and how much good I actually create. So I want to be filled with the Spirit. Everything God paid is never meant to be weird. Look at Jesus. Was he weird? He just went about doing good. He went about doing good and taking care of business. What if that was said about you? Gary Johnson went about doing good, taking care of business, healing people, restoring things. Everywhere he went, he made it better. That's the kingdom. That's Christianity. I'm not just saved from being dumb. I'm actually restored to being effective. Okay. Basics. Basics. It's funny how the church has lost the basics. God. Okay. Anyway, the reason is, is the first tension, and it's the tension of sacred versus secular. And we've been steeped in a culture that the only way that I can serve God is if I do something that's religious. Okay? So I want to show a picture of three of my heroes who are in spheres or sectors of culture that are contrary to what you would consider to be religious. So let's look here. One of my first heroes, they made the movie Chariots of Fire. You know this guy? They don't make movies off of people that don't do anything cool. Just want you to know that. You want somebody to make a movie about you? Well, you might need to step up. He says, and, and listen, he came out of a religious culture. And, and the Treasure Valley has a lot of religion. Like, we look, there's a church everywhere. Like, why did you send us up here, God? He said, certainly not to be religious. I sent you up here to introduce power to the Treasure Valley. Turn the lights on up here. But this is Eric Liddell, whose sister's name was Stella. Now, my mom's name's Stella. And she, their family were missionaries in China. And you know what? If you're a missionary, don't you just try to talk everybody into being a missionary? Like, that's like the only thing that God really values. And that's what Stella was saying to Eric. And she's like, oh, Eric, God has made you with a purpose. Join us in China for the mission field. So typical of religion is like the fact that you're running track and giving your all. Somehow God couldn't be into that. This is what he did. This is what he said to his sisters. why I love him. This is why he's heroic. I have core values. I stand for God. I live for God. Uh, And you're right. God did make me with a purpose. But he also made me fast. I don't know about you, but when I engineer things, I like them to be utilized. If you make it fast, I want to watch it run. Imagine God going, what are you doing over there in China? I have a stadium that I want you to light up. And then you can honor me in front of all the people. What do you mean like? He says, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, you really only will feel the pleasure of God in his presence and when you're doing what he created you to do. Most of us are not created to do traditionally sacred things. Most of us need to take sacred into the secular, into the marketplace. Amy Coney Barrett. Anybody know who she is? All of you who didn't vote for Trump and you think you're conservative, I want you to know he appointed more conservative justices than anyone in the history of this nation. Yeah, but I don't like him. He's mean. He tweets mean. I don't care. He's done more for the preservation. We saw Roe versus Wade turn because we had court justices appointed 
you got to get, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. Like, there are, it's not always the most common way that he moves. Anyway, this was one of the Supreme Court justices he appointed. Do you remember, like, the fight, the fury, all the liberals, like, ah! Ah! it's crazy. Like, there's nothing like a liberal meme. Like, they're just moaning. What are you moaning about? I don't know. I cut one off the other day. We were driving to the airport. I could tell in my, you know, if you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're like, I can't help myself. I'm going to have to cut this one off real quick. And sure enough, like, I cut her off. She's, ah, ah, ah. She's like, read between the lines. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Just gnashed your teeth at me. And inside I was like, it's been an all right day. Amy Coney Barrett, though, look what she says. Your legal career. She's speaking when she says this. She's, she's the keynote um, speaker at the graduation at the Notre Dame Legal School. Your legal career is but a means to an end. The end is building the kingdom of God. Okay, yeah, this one. Dr. James Dobson. Anybody know who he is? Focus on the family. When I met Melissa. We, we've been married almost 20 years, too. We're in our 20th year. And uh, when I married her, she had two little boys. We'd both come out of um, marriages that didn't work. Gosh, interesting. God wants your life to work. He didn't just forgive us for being divorced. He actually wanted to reset us and teach us how to live for him. So here we are 20 years later, happily married. And with some tools, a lot of those tools came from Dr. James Dobson. He wrote a book called Bringing Up Boys, I remember. And one of the reasons, like, great men and great, great men need a great mama. I'm telling you, they just do. And one of the reasons why um, boys and men are attracted to you is because of some of the stuff Dr. James Dobson taught us. Like, he taught the differences of what young men need and what young girls need. And, and we became students of him. And I remember um, it was time to talk to Josiah. He was like 10, almost 11. It was time for the talk. If you've ever had the talk with your kids, it's miserable. It's the most uncomfortable, like, you're like, I don't want to talk about the birds and the bees. And, and you know what, though? My parents didn't have that combo with me. As a result, I was introduced to the birds and the bees through the wrong sources. And the birds and be the bees became a trap for me and a place of dysfunction for me. And so I had to break that cycle. I, had, I didn't want my boys growing up with the same problems that I had because there's a concept that Dr. James Jobson um, studied as a psychologist called the law of first mention. This is why he's talking about education and how important it is the right people introduce big things to children. That's why you cannot surrender um, our school systems to woke educators. You can't. You do not know how dangerous it is. You do not know how dangerous it is if we allow perversion um, to educate our kids. And that's why they're going after them younger and younger and younger. And so as parents, it's our chief responsibility 
to educate our kids in the things that matter most. And there's nothing that's more dangerous to your kids than sexuality, nothing more dangerous to your kids than identity. And there's nothing that's more at war over this next generation than their identity. In fact, young people, you are here, like you're gonna have to battle for your identity. And I want you to know, um, fight. But let me say this, let God define you. Don't, don't let this culture define you. Don't even let your own preferences define you. Because you'll have some. You'll have some drives. You'll have some, some appetites. Surrender those to God, okay? And let him, he's got great things for you. So anyway, I'm having this convo with um, Josiah. I finally got the nerve to do it. And, and I guess what I did, I looked up um, how to have the talk. I think it was on Amazon. And there was a series from Dr. James Dobson. And so here it was. It was me and Josiah in our F-150 um, sitting outside of Dave and Buster's because he says, go away, do an all-nighter thing and make it fun, but then introduce these, these sessions. We're sitting in the F-150. <laughs> Josiah's eyes are like saucers, man. I mean, he, he's, I could tell he's like, this is the law of first mention. He has never heard this stuff before, and my eyes are like saucers. I'm like, I can't even believe I'm having this conversation. And it was pretty much the most awkward memorable. There was no part of it that was like, the only thing that was good about it is we both have a funny memory about it. I remember, you know what, I probably need to back out of it. Um, (laughs) Aren't you glad though, you know, if you want to know something though, in Dr. James's family, Dr. James Dobson's family, they actually ostracized him because he wanted to go into psychiatric um, um, study for, uh, and psychology, and the psychology of the family, and he, because he came from a long line of pastors, and my grandfather was a pastor, and, 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 and his father was a pastor, and my father was a pastor, and you're going to be a pastor too. He's like, I don't want to be a pastor. I, 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 I want to study. I, I feel called to the family. I want to I break out of what's traditionally sacred, and, and, and at the time, it was very secular, but you know, I'm so glad he did. Because where we need light and life and truth is oftentimes in secular places like the family unit. And you need experts. You need people that have irrefutable wisdom that they're willing to, 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 to bring tools and, and help. Are you with me? And so um, give it up for the, these heroes. Okay. Uh, this is another funny one that is very common in, especially when I was in Bible college is uh, <laughs> it just seemed like it was it was how to argue stuff. It was not like how to seek God and become like in love with Him. It was like how do you argue your point against somebody that doesn't feel that way? And I hated that about it. But one of the things that they would talk about was providence versus free will. Have you ever heard this conversation? And and that God is providential. And so you either are like on the side of everything is God's will, everything's faded. If it's God's will, you would have got the job. If it's God's will, she would have said yes. And so as a result, you don't really have a say in the matter because if it's God's will, it'll happen. And I don't know if you've ever been in that camp. And and then the other camp is you're the free will camp where everything is your will and you're providential. And so which one's true? You know, and this is, this is, and you're supposed to, whatever side you're on, you got to try to argue with the other side of who's right and who's wrong. And, And the reality is perfect tension means actually they're both right. God is 100% providential 
able to intersect himself into your life, into culture, able to step on the scene, able to show up in power, and yet he made you in his likeness. Therefore, because he's 100% sovereign, what does that mean about you? He created you as a sovereign being. That means he's given you the ability to choose. So which one is it? It's both. And in fact, to the degree that you can discover that it's both, that's where you become effective. That means God actually has a plan for me. He has created me to do things that he's predetermined beforehand, okay? But I, to the degree that I get to know that, I need to realize that i got to say yes. I'm a sovereign being too, and I get to determine my future, and the only way that I'm going to realize his potential is if I surrender to it. You see, free will needs to live in tension with providence and sovereignty. How powerful is God in your life? How much is he capable of doing? Do you read and study about the possibilities of what God can do in an hour of darkness? He has a history of breaking into times like these. Simultaneously, how surrendered are you? How much are you enjoying your sovereignty? You got a free will. Does that mean that you're just going to live for you? Because you got to marry a surrendered will to a powerful God. That's where everything is. Okay, let me prove it in the, in the Word. We're going uh, to start in Mark 8, 31 through 38. And he began to teach, this is Jesus, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke the word openly. In other words, listen, Jesus knew his mission. You can know it too, but he knew his. He knew, do you you think he came to die? Yeah, he did. God sent his only son, his one and only son, to ransom us out of darkness into light. And Jesus knew his assignment. And he was saying, I must suffer. I must be persecuted. I actually need to be mistreated because it's the only way I can buy back the earth, buy back the sons and daughters. God wants sons and daughters, not slaves. He, he doesn't want religion. He wants relationship. And the only way was for Jesus was to say yes to his assignment. Did he say yes to his assignment? Peter. Now, Peter is like, doesn't like the assignment. Because for Peter, for, for Jesus to fulfill his assignment, Peter has to lose him. And so this is what Peter says. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. I like Peter. He's got some audacity. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. I'm going to get back to this. So here he is, and this is for you and me too. There is a providential, sovereign plan for your life. There are things he's created you to do. There are things that no one else on the planet can get done but you. There are, there are wirings and plans that are so extraordinary, and they require you to know that God is powerful, and he's designed you for great works. Providentially, predetermined works, things that he's dreamt about 
all your life. Even before he knew you, he knew these things. And that needs to live in tension with you saying, God, man, I realize that's expensive. That's going to require me to let go of this. That's going to require me to say yes to that. That's going to require me to get, sign up for the apprenticeship. That's going to require me to start tithing like Greg Francis. That's going to require me to actually get into community, not to just listen and be a Christian, but I don't want accountability. That's, you see what I mean? Like, like the, the predetermined plans of God actually require a degree of surrender. And to the degree that you want to go into the high and extraordinary plans of God, you have to live that tension with the degree of of intense surrender. The kingdom of God is laying your life down to follow him. He's got great plans, but it requires you to surrender. Okay, next one. Life and death. Jesus came that you might have life and life abundantly. We heard like 17 other scriptures from Greg Francis. I don't know how you got all those in there, but... but is that true? Is, is it really true that he came that you'd have life and life abundantly? Do you believe that? For you, not just for other people, for you. Do you think his blood was valuable enough that could even purchase you out of disqualification? You, you, you. Not us corporately, not us generally, you. Your habit, your behavior, your dysfunction. His blood bought you. You might not even deserve it. He does. He deserves you. You understanding the life he gave his life so that you could live. That, though, is, brings up another requirement that for me to access life, I actually have to exchange my life. For me to get into life and life abundant, I actually have to lose my life. Let's pick this back up. Let's keep going here. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, I'm going I'm to pick it back up. When he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Life and death. Life and death. For, for us to access life, we need to lose life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We're going to make a, an exchange today because I think a lot of us know God's good, believe in him actually, but we really haven't exchanged our life for his. There is an exchange. He paid the price. There's nothing you could ever do to earn your way into what he bought for you, not just in eternity, but even on this planet. There are things he wants to do in you and through you and favor and build things through you that you have no access to apart from him. But they do require you to say, God, I'm yours. My sovereign strengths, my appetites, my preferences. For me, they were sexual. I had to exchange my desires and drives to say yes to his will. You see, wherever you are in that spectrum, you're going to have to surrender who you are to say yes to life and life abundantly. Apart from him, I'm sorry, it's not that fun. It's tiring. But with him, oh my gosh. Last one, greatness and serving. Greatness and serving. Is this okay? 
Matthew 20, verse tw- starting at verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So which one is it? Am I supposed to serve or am I supposed to be great? You see the tension? You see the difficulty? Do you think Jesus recruited people that didn't want to be great? Do you think he has a problem with you wanting to be great? Do you think he wants to neuter you and remove all your appetite to do great things? Do you think that's the kingdom? You think you're just going to be like a eunuch walking around with no motive, no drive? Just conform. I'm just, just a Christian guy, you know, we, kind of vanilla. I don't, I don't know. I'm just waiting for heaven. I, you, you with me? Welcome to a half of religion. Has no power, no vibrancy. Lost our appetite to be great. We actually think it's, 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 it's everything you were saying. Greg, it's like, it's actually wrong for me to prosper. It's wrong for me to want to be great. It's wrong for me to want to build a big business. It's wrong for me to want to lead and influence. It's wrong for me to, really? How the heck can you serve people from a place of poverty? How can you help anyone from a place of dysfunction or addiction? You can't. In fact, all the people you care about are spending their energy helping you. God wants to flip the script and make you somebody that can help, that can add value. Wouldn't you like that? I can tell you this. The people in your world would be very grateful. You know, my brother, he's nine years older than me, and he was addicted to alcohol and drugs most of my my teenage life. And and it was really hard on our family. It was hard on my parents. It was hard on me. And and he gave his life to Jesus, and he got delivered. He He never... Um, relapsed and I'm like no way I know my brother I mean come on family you know and, and I know that's a tricky area and, and, and I don't want to treat this area lightly but I want you to know he got something happened to him and because he got delivered he he he, he earned influence with me and I started to trust him he led me to Christ when I was 20, he led me to Christ because he got free. And I want you to know, like, God wants to move in your, wherever you are. It doesn't need to be a dark area. It could be an average area. He wants to turn light on and life on and power on so the people that we're called to see a great us. Not an average us. Not a diminished us. Certainly not a miserable you. Really? You really think God's will is for you to be miserable and everyone around you to have to deal with a miserable you? God, like, but the secret, this is what he said. If you want to be great, good. Go after it. Let me just tell you the definition of greatness. How many people can you serve with your life? I have no problem with you chasing greatness, but can you redefine greatness not about how many people serve you, but how many people can you serve? Come on. That's appealing. That's not a lame life. How many people can you benefit? Anybody interested in that life? 
Let me retreat him, and we're going we're gonna to end right here. There's a great touch of God in here. Um, first of all, healthy tensions. There's no divide between what's sacred and what's secular. We take the sacred into the world. We go into the world with sacred. We are sacred. We are the light. We go with sacred into the world, and we build the tension of knowing God and going into the world. Okay. Secondly, we're, we do have a free will, and God's powerful. And so what we do is we push ourselves into the power and the sovereignty of God, and we want to know his will for this day and this hour. Know the times and the seasons. Know what to do. And then surrender your life to them. Give yourself fully to the big plans of God. Life and death. He came that you might have life. The only way to access it is to lay yours down. I want you to know you'll go kicking and screaming. I'm still kicking and screaming. There were things this month I didn't want to do. I'm telling you, my poor wife's got to listen to me sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to go there. I, but I have to reconcile. Did God call me there? And if he did, no matter how much I don't want to go, if I can surrender my will, when I show up, I haven't even showed up sometimes with the best attitude. Just showing up in your assignment is like 90% of the battle. I'm so glad I didn't give in to my emotional pity party. I'm tired. I'm the only one who's doing it. Ah. That's pretty much how I sound. I'm, oh, I wouldn't want to be stuck with me. I've just learned, no matter how I feel about it, his will is worth surrendering to. Life and death, life and death. Finally, greatness in serving. God's called you to greatness. But the definition needs to change. Not how big can I get, how successful my business can be, but how many people can I serve by becoming a bigger, healthier person? You with me? Okay. Life and death, healthy tensions. Yeah, let's close our eyes. We're wrapping up. You know, I just want to ask you where you are. Um, you basically heard the gospel today, the good news, which is God loves you, paid an incredible price for you, designed you for greatness, has great plans for you, wants life, life abundant, um, wants you to walk in his power, and yet the invitation is, you know, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking on your heart. I want, I have, I want to show you everything I have for you. I want you to be acquainted with my plans, but will you open yourself up to me like that's 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 really the invitation is I'm, I'm knocking on your heart but do you want me in there and that's the question for you is like are you wanting to say yes to him and he's never going to stop knocking but you won't really start experiencing life until you choose to open the door up and I'm not saying it's not scary and I'm not saying that He's going to be pointing around and asking for things. He, he will. He will. I'm just going to tell you, it's not your life anymore. The kingdom of God is not your life plus a little Jesus. 
it's actually your surrender to all of him. And he is, uh, he will ask for things, and, and some of those things are not the easiest things to surrender. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, the more things you can learn to give to God, the more your life's going to work and function. But if you're here and you're feeling that knock and you, you know he loves you, and I'm a, I'm, I really want to go after somebody who's, like, stubborn. Like, you're like me. Like, you don't, you're not easy. But you're realizing, like, I need this. I need him. My stubborn self's not working out. I'm telling you, somebody, you're talented and stubborn. You, it's not like you're not talented. You just, you just don't fully trust. And God's knocking. He wants you. He wants to partner with you. But he can't be the junior partner in your life. He's the senior partner. He, he's got to be the CEO, not, not your helper. He, he's the one who's calling the shots, directing the shots. And it, it's the only way it works. He's Lord. He's the Lord. And if you're here and you want to make that, I'm going to count to three, and you want to say yes to making him Savior and Lord and Master and, and surrendering and giving your life to him, whatever that looks like. And that's you, and you want to do that, I'm going to count to three, and I, I want to see your hand. And I specifically would love somebody who's super stubborn to say yes. Somebody who's, like, been fighting this. In fact, if you don't even like this, you're probably the right person. On the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three. I want to know who I'm praying for. Oh, yeah, there's a few of us in here. I see you, young lady in the back, very pretty, handsome guy. Let's see, see you. Oh, there's quite a few of us. I love young people when they surrender. You have no idea the power of surrendering when you're young. You have no idea. I see you, sir, in the back. I see you, sir. I see you. I see you. Oh, I love the youth. I love youth who surrender. You know what I've found is I've had to surrender and say yes in this prayer a lot of times. So we're going to all pray together as a family. There's a lot of us in here. Let's stand on our feet. There's probably about 10 of us. Listen, you don't ever need a watered-down truth. You always got to actually bring it in full potency. And people want that more than, like, some easy road. When you just make it true and plain, that's where the power is. So let's, why don't we all pray together, especially those of you who are brand new in this. Um, let's repeat after me. Father God, thank you. You came that I might have life, life abundant. Open my eyes to your goodness, to your power, and I choose to surrender my life, my will, my preferences to your plan. I realize you have the best plan, and I trust you. I put my hope in you. You love me. You paid a price for me, and I put my life in your hands. I put my heart in your hands. I'm going to just stop here real quick. That's what I see. Somebody's heart has been hurt, and it's a hard thing for you to trust again. You feel your heart is safer with you protecting it. And it, the reality is, is that there was injury. It's valid. It's valid. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, no one, this is the difference. 
you might be able to protect your heart from more injury, but only God can heal your heart. Hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. You might be able to protect your heart from more injury, but only God can heal your heart. And I, whoever you are, um, somebody is here that you have a damaged heart and you're afraid to trust God with it, but because, because when it's in your hands, it feels safer. I want to know who I am. I just, if I can see a hand, I know who I'm talking to somebody. I want to know who that is. Yeah, it's probably a lot of, there's quite a few of us. Listen, you need to trust God with your heart. He, he wants to heal it. He doesn't just want, he's not just asking you to trust him like a free fall. He, he wants to repair things that aren't working. Come back after me. Okay, repeat after me again. We're just finishing up. Father God, I trust you with my heart. I allow you to lead me into truth and life. I'm your child. Heaven's my home because of Jesus. In your name, we all said amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.